0: Welcome to The Dialogue, I'm Suzanne St. John Crane. It's 2019 and Silicon Valley's economy has reached new levels of employment, income, and investments, as major companies are fundamentally altering the character and evolution of innovation in the region. While there are many positives attributed to this boom, we cannot ignore the disparity it's created. As President and CEO of joint venture Silicon Valley for the last 14 years, ALF Senior Fellow Russ Hancock has deeply studied the dramatic evolution. Today he shares highlights from Joint Ventures' latest Silicon Valley Index. Are all sectors ready to collaborate in funding and implementing innovative social solutions that will help the Valley change course? Let's listen. Let's talk a little bit about Joint Ventures. So it was founded in 93, and the semiconductor industry found itself facing... Competitive challenges from other tech regions and the US and abroad. And I certainly distinctly remember that time because yeah. um, dating myself perhaps a little bit. Mm, well, me too. I was <laughs> me too. I was in college trying to figure out what I was going to do and just about to graduate. And my father was very concerned I wasn't going to be able to get to work at
1: that point. I was
0: too. Found it though. Yeah. 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 Um, so tell me, I mean, the concern was that Silicon Valley was falling behind, yes. needed to reinvent itself, to compete, et cetera. So, what have been your observations over the last 26 years? What are the learnings, key ingredients that keep us on a competitive edge?
1: Well, the idea about Joint Venture was that we needed to do something or else we were going to become a has-been. We, yeah. were, we were going to become the next Detroit or Pittsburgh. That sounds insulting to Detroit and Pittsburgh. We don't mean it that way. But but uh, the the worry was that we would just um, lose our magic. Yeah. And it seems quaint now when you look back at it because there's been st- at least five new waves of innovation. And, right. and right. Uh, here's Silicon Valley just firing on every cylinder. But if you were around then, it was real. People were very concerned that we had lost our way and that we were going we to forfeit our, it, it, our advantages. Right, right. Um, and so here comes Joint Venture, and the idea was let's create this thing where people can come together and just talk. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of throwing spears at each other and contending as antagonists out in the marketplace, let's let's create this place where everybody can sit down, set their weapons aside, talk, have it be multi-sector, so it's not, so it's it's all of the sectors right. sitting down together and figure out ways where they where we can work collaboratively. Yeah. yeah. Um, that actually works. I have to say that works. Um,
0: you know, in watching just the booms and busts that we've been through in your yes. fatal recession, I mean, we yes. seem to feel things or you know, things hit harder and recover faster here.
1: I think you're right. What we've since learned is that we're a cyclical economy and our cycles are extreme. Yeah. But if you live here long enough, you realize that you shouldn't become overly despondent during the downturns, and, nor should you be overly euphoric uh, during the upswings. Right. You just right. have to stay level. Yeah. in Silicon Valley.
0: And be ready for it. Yeah. So we are resilient. We are, you know, mm-hmm. word that gets thrown around a lot is scrappy. Yes. Other key ingredients that you yes. would say keep us on a competitive edge?
1: Um, well, I think innovation is a key word. Maybe two key words. This is a place uh, of entrepreneurs, risk takers, and it's a place of innovators. And I think we've become the nation's capital for innovation. I think it used to be a thing that happened here and people were happy about it. Now I think you can say we're the full-blown capital the way that the US has other capitals, right? We have, mm-hmm. we have a political capital in Washington, but I think we have a financial capital in New York a- and uh, entertainment capital in Hollywood, and I think Silicon Valley now is the innovation capital of, of the United States, and it's in everybody's interest for Silicon Valley to succeed in that way, to continue to be a place where innovation can thrive. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: And you and I have talked uh, offline too just about, you know, Silicon Valley isn't a, a place, it's an idea, it's kind of a region.
1: <laughs> it's it's kind hard of a region. To,
0: it's hard to define, right? And
1: Silicon Valley is a phenomenon. That, yeah. I, I think that's the best way to think about it. And the phenomenon is this phenomenon of, of entrepreneurship and innovation, and its footprint used to be small. It used to be down in the south part of the Bay, but that footprint has spread to take in, I I just want to say, the whole Bay Area. Right. Um,
0: And to that point, you mm -hmm. know, the idea of so many of these issues that we're facing and staring down right now, whether it's transportation or Mm -hmm. homelessness, are regional. Yes. And, you know, the idea of regionalism and regional government makes sense in so many ways, but... You know, there's budgets and egos and county and city borders that are in place that make it difficult to really come together and problem solve as a region. And, you know, have you seen, though, over the last, say, few years or decade, what have been your observations that, hmm. around people being willing to kind of soften and sit down around the table and come up with regional solutions to these problems?
1: It's been uphill sledding. It's, yeah. it's pretty tough. Uh, we have a bias at Joint Venture Silicon Valley. We think that we should be a region, we should act as a region, that we should bring a regional mentality, a regional point of view to right. these issues. These are not city-level problems. These are not enterprise-level problems. They, they really are region-wide. And so we think we need, a, uh, we need institutions for regional planning and regional decision-making. We would even be in favor of a regional government. We think there should be a president of the Bay Area Mm -hmm. and a board uh, that's also elected. Mm -hmm. and These people should be elected from the region at large. Um, And uh, until we have that, we're trying to be the proxy for it. Joint Venture is trying to be at least that place where people can sit down and talk about the region's problems and do it in a big think. I mean, thinking broadly and expansively about that.
0: Right, Mm -hmm. right. And I think there's a few groups that have tried to do that, are trying to do that, and moving in that same effort, but it, has been, it is slow going, as you said.
1: Well, there's distrust. Uh, yeah. People, um, Americans, I just wanna say, garden variety Americans, don't trust institutions of government. And I think that's the best way you can interpret the, the 2016 election. Yeah. And so here comes us, these do-gooder, good government types saying, well, really what we need is another layer of government in the Bay Area. And you just get hooted off the stage. So this is going to be really difficult. On the other hand, I just have to say, um, things work better when the institutions of control are closer to home. And uh, California is this enormous state, 37 million people. I mean, that's more people in Canada, right? Uh, so we, we are constantly arguing that we, sh- we really should have more localized institutions. People love mm-hmm. local control. Uh, right. So that's, I mean, we, we would like to see that um, at the scale of the region yeah, instead of the sense. scale of the state.
0: Sure, mm-hmm. sure. And we hear more and more of that, especially after the 2016 election as well. We have, we have no control over what happens there. Let's focus here. Let's focus on our city and our region and county. Great idea. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so let's, let's dig in a little bit to the 2018 index. Uh, 19.
1: 2019 spe- 19
0: index, index yes. specifically. Right. right mm-hmm. With the 2018 findings.
1: Correct. There, <laughs> there we go. go. Yeah, exactly. Let's make sure
0: we get that right. Uh-huh. Um, so certainly plenty of good news, um, yep. things that we have seen and observed in terms of economy and yes. employment and and investment, and then some pretty, you know, as you all described it, sobering dose of contradictions mm-hmm. um, about our economy. And, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of the, the things I pulled out, right? Yeah, new levels of, of employment income investment, a record-setting $50 billion in VC funding. Yes. Incredible. Yes. Record 81 mega deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a third of our population doesn't meet self-sufficiency standards. Yes. You know, and more people are leaving the region. And certainly, you mm-hmm. know, I can... Uh, I, anecdotally and in my neighborhood, I know that we've had, it's amazing to me how many people are leaving. Yep. I mean, it's, the neighborhood is com- almost completely turned over in, a, in mm-hmm. a few block radius, right? This is true. So let, let's start with the good side, the yes. you know, employment investment. What types of companies are getting funded? What are the trends that you all
1: have been seen. Well, just from a purely economic standpoint, it's really positive. The, we're seeing growth, and this, is, this has been sustained growth over, uh, I want to say, a period of 10 years now. We've been expanding since 2008. Uh, we were the first economy to, re- to emerge out of the epic recession, and uh, you know we've put together this incredible run. And what's distinctive about it is that it's not characterized by any one sector or one industry. It's everything. It's nanotechnology, it's information technology, IT infrastructure, it's electric vehicles, the in, the infrastructure that supports electric vehicles. Uh, it's, of course, social media, um, mm-hmm. the new sharing economy, um, um, and biotechnology, uh, ph- uh, pharmaceuticals. Right. All of these things are happening. We used to have a more limited portfolio. That's, I mean, that's, you used to think about Silicon Valley as the land of semiconductors or the land of personal computing or the land of software or whatever. Mm -hmm. But now the portfolio is so broad. Uh, Big data, uh, artificial intelligence, the internet of things. I mean, all of these things are happening simultaneously. That's remarkable. That's really remarkable. And it's continuing to fuel jobs, um, thirty thousand new jobs in Silicon Valley last uh, last calendar year. Yeah. Um,
0: Although the growth is a little slower this year, but still going well. Why, why do you think it's? I mean, it's just naturally the the cycle of it that it's slowing down a bit. Or
1: the truth is, we're we are an economy at full employment.
0: Right. Okay.
1: And sure. so I want to. I'm interpreting it that the growth is slowing down because we're already fully employed. Mm. And. Um, the, uh, the, the types of people that uh, these, co- these companies are hiring now um, are at the very high end, and we have them in, in uh, generous supply here in the Bay Area. And so that's, you know, that's what's going on. Uh, Then the other kind of growth is happening outside the Bay Area, where these companies, which are located here, headquartered here, they're expanding their footprint on other continents, and that makes sense. Mm -hmm. They're taking an international approach to their HR schemes and their supply chains and their their distribution and all of the rest. So that makes sense. And it also makes sense from the standpoint that um, it's expensive to live here. You'll probably want to we well, to gonna get into that. We'll get sure. into that. And yeah. so it doesn't make sense to be uh, growing here. You need to be growing here and growing in these other places if you're a multinational company. So, right. that, so that's what we're seeing. Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting trend to see, too, that um, as far as R&D space of office space, um, the, there's a few big. It's the big guys that are really leasing, you know, a, a significant chunk of it. Google, Apple, Facebook, LinkedIn, Amazon. Uh, your report states that you know combined leased approximately 18 um, percent of all available space. So, right. is this good news or bad news?
1: Well, it's both. The thing about Silicon Valley is that we're just complicated. Cool. It's it's hard to say a thing is good or bad, but it is different. This yeah. is this is a new development. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, you could say it's back to the future. I remember. Um, back in the 1970s, we were that kind of a place again. It was, it was Lockheed. It was Hewlett-Packard. Uh, it was the National Semiconductor. Yeah. I mean, these were the ones who were driving the economy and, and creating the lion's share of the employment. Then something happened. You get the crazy 80s and then the 90s and the dot-com thing, and really we were defined more by tons of startup activity, small and medium enterprises, uh, a few of which would go on to become the behemoths, the big tech firms, but mostly we were this crowded landscape of all kinds of activity at every scale. Um, Now we have sorted ourselves out again. Uh, we've uh, we've become a valley of a few very large tech companies, and people refer to them as FANG, uh, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, <laughs> Netflix, and Google. Hadn't heard right? that before. Yep, yeah, the <laughs> FANG companies. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they do account for uh, more than 50% of the employment growth, just five companies. And they are uh, also accounting for, uh, you just said it, about 20% of all the, all the the real yeah. estate out there. Right. So that's, you know, that's a big deal. And and we can talk about whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, and uh, I can argue both sides. I'm happy to do that if that's where you want to take this conversation.
0: Let's move on. Yeah. Let's chit-chat mm-hmm. a bit more about um, some of the other findings in this uh, in the index I found yes. fascinating. So 38% of Silicon Valley residents are foreign-born. Yes. And, you know, no secret that we rely heavily uh, on immigrants through the lifeblood of our economic engine here and these companies that we're talking about. Yes, Have you, and I didn't see it necessarily in the index, but I'd love your thoughts on this. Yes, How has the administration's hard hardline shifts on immigration shaped population changes? Have there been other impacts that you've seen? Are there trends out there you've noticed?
1: It's making everybody nervous and jittery because let's never forget, Silicon Valley was not built by Americans. We can't take credit for this. It was built by, by people coming from other places um, who were pursuing their ideas and their dreams here, and we provided that environment. And that's the Silicon Valley story. It's a remarkable story. So today there's this notion that there's too many people coming into our country, and for Silicon Valley, that's just, that doesn't make any sense to us. We're completely out of sync with, uh, with our national leadership on that. However, it's, there's nuance here. Uh, let's not forget there are two kinds of immigration. There's legal immigration and there's illegal immigration. And I think the what's driving the debate is uh, is of course the illegal forms of immigration. And so that's that's a legitimate conversation that our nation has to be having. And take the drama out of it and take the you know take the take the poor form of our mm. of our president out of it. That's an important conversation to have. That's not the one, however, that affects. Silicon Valley, because this is a phenomenon of legal immigrants, green cards, people coming here for advanced degrees, staying on, and creating companies and creating economic growth. Our, our region depends on that.
0: 30% of all Silicon Valley households do not earn enough money to meet their basic needs without public or private informal assistance. There's this massive disconnect in the Valley because people come here to make money and leave, or because our community of immigrants uh, has ties elsewhere. They don't they don't connect here necessarily invest in their own backyard or community Yes, let me just ask you. I mean, I've got some thoughts and feelings about this But I'd love mm-hmm. your perspective Russ. I mean from where you sit is the problem a lack of awareness of disparity mm. Is it finger-pointing mm. do we just not know whose job this is to fix or do people genuinely not care?
1: I want to say that um, it's powerful market forces and hmm. I don't know how to address that Um, any other way. Uh, We would be talking about draconian measures. But the fact is we have a bifurcated economy. It's completely bifurcated. That wasn't the case. And now it's, there it is. It's stark. It's jarring. It's uh, this yawning chasm between the people who are doing really well and the people who are not making it. Now, even ten years ago, uh, we had a healthy middle class. And that um, you know those mid-range jobs are just disappearing. They've they have been permanently outsourced to the last century. Mm. That's what mm-hmm. that's that's actually what's happened. Uh, all those jobs are gone We don't need them anymore. So the, the jobs that we're creating in Silicon Valley are that are, are at the opposite ends of the spectrum They're in the service professions and they are at the very high end where you're talking about extremely talented people that know how to make electrons dance and and um, mm. So now we have this bifurcation. Now, what do you do about that? Some people say, well, the answer is uh, that we have to train people uh, so that they can do the high-end stuff, so that they can climb a ladder out of the service sector. I actually think that's a gross oversimplification. Um, Everybody shouldn't become a software architect. That's Nor are they
0: meant to be. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's not our future. Uh, instead, we just need to figure out how to build a community where we are creating opportunities at every end of the spectrum and that it's viable at any any place in the spectrum. That's the kind of community that we need to create. But it means addressing our housing shortage. That's It finally boils down to that and in our region we're not we're not doing that we're not even close
0: inventory and types of housing yes it's 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 both right yes. it's supply as well as yes uh, you know the types of housing available for folks mm-hmm. um you know it's fascinating to hear alf fellows in our in our program dialogue about this about mm. these disparities especially mm-hmm. when you don't spend every day day in and day out running a nonprofit or dealing in a pop- with a population that right. is part of that 30 percent. Right. You know, the the clear um, either misperception or misunderstanding mm. comes out and then as we learn about each other, much yes. like in your cross-sector yes. conversations, right? We go, mm-hmm. oh, didn't mm-hmm. know that, didn't realize that. Right. Now that we understand the inner workings of the system, whatever that system is, mm-hmm. how do we start turning turning it? Yep. And I would just, I would love to hear, you know, do you have any examples of cross-sector collaboration at joint venture? Mm. That, to prove that theory, that the sectors need to sit down and, and talk? Uh, has it solved a tangible problem?
1: You know, we have, we have a new phenomenon in Silicon Valley. It's the phenomenon of the corporate kitchen. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm talking about the Googles and the Facebooks of the world that are, that are creating these vast um, uh, food operations. It's, it's amazing. It's breathtaking, actually, what's going on. And uh, you 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 didn't see that until Google came up with it. Yeah. All right. Well, and as uh, a result, as a result, it <laughs> yeah. turns out there's actually excess food. There's surplus food, and that food goes to the landfill. And uh, so we were doing what you what you, what you're doing, which is looking at the index and realizing that there's all of this. Um, food insecurity in Silicon Valley and people who aren't meeting self-sufficiency uh, standards and people who really don't know where their next meal is coming from. Meanwhile, you have food from Google going to uh, going to a landfill. We, we wanted to figure out if there's a way to, to solve that problem. And uh, we worked on it for a year and a half, two years. And I can take you through all of the all of the complex stuff that we went through, but I'll just tell you what the solution is. We finally bought a truck. We we have yeah. a food truck. Actually, we have a fleet now of food trucks, and they go to Facebook and Google and to Stanford and other places throughout the valley and collect the surplus food, and we drive it into East Palo Alto, and we drive it into East San Jose, and we just pull up on street corners and... Um, in schoolyards and we Do hand food the food out. Yeah.
0: You know, it's I mean this is this is the ALF story too, as you know, right? right. You get fellows around a problem after they've been in deep relationship with each other and That's understand right. each other's paths. Right. The problem is not always resources, right. it's relationships. It's not rocket science to fix some of these, it's relationships and deep understanding and deep understanding. This is my point. This is my point exactly. Right?
1: Yeah. yeah. It actually it's amazing that it actually took so long and honestly it sounds easy. Just pick up the food, drive it to you sound as no, it's actually not easy. Um, yeah. there's, uh, there's a huge body of regulation and laws around food, it's handling, it's treatment, it's delivery sure. and it's distribution. And so we had to navigate all of that and you can't do it without working with the partners. And in this case, the partners are everybody from Google, right, who's uh, doing these amazing things to the people that are driving our food trucks, to the people that understand the food industry, to the, to the service workers who are in the kitchen, and, and, and then the populations that are in need. So it's been a fabulous example of collaboration across all of those different yeah. segments.
0: We often dance around the topics of diversity, inclusion, equity, and how we deeply embed those and have those conversations in our organizations, in our sector, in our community. And God, if there's any place that should be having these conversations mm-hmm. and leading by example at Silicon Valley, you know, what was the, the, the figure you all have as 38% of our community, you know, is immigrants. They're yes. immigrants. Um, so, you know, my strong feeling is we need to take a hard look at ourselves as leaders, at our company, at our community culture, values around this, and engage in dialogue to better understand our differences, or we're not gonna meet our potential as a valley. We're not gonna serve the community. Yes. Uh, that that uh, we are called to serve. Mm-hmm. So how how from your perspective can we move towards inclusion practices being a foundation of shaping the valley's future, not an afterthought, mm-hmm. not a not a nice to have, but a must have, mm-hmm. uh, and that equity is a lived, embedded value for all of our sectors.
1: Well, you start by talking about it, and that's the value of ALF once again, where uh, people are convening. Mm-hmm. And these dialogues and facilitating this kind of a conversation. And if you do it with enough people pretty soon you're spreading um, you're spreading this around and it's catching on. So I just I don't want to ever uh, underestimate the, the power and the importance of dialogue because that's ultimately what will change things. And that's how, you, that's how you've seen changes in Silicon Valley society and its ecosystem over the generations. That's always how it starts. But then you have to go beyond that to changing norms and changing rules and changing procedures and changing cultures. And all of that has to happen. It happens because people stand up, people take positions, people say enough of this shame, we have to, uh, we have to be better. And usually it's the young people and usually it's the people who are young at heart because they're un they're unencumbered by precedent and mm. um, they're willing to think fresh and new. And that again is the value I see in ALF.
0: I'm really encouraged by our uh, we have a nonprofit mm-hmm. diversity, inclusion, equity group that has been meeting mm-hmm. and you know, messy, difficult conversations that have resulted in those organizations that are participating in changing their policies. And, right. You know, it's that kind of work that we want to push and celebrate and certainly partner with organizations like yours on as well. Yes. Um, because the more of us aligned on this, mm-hmm. the more chance we have of being successful. Mm-hmm. Russ, I want to I end with a question here that you asked your your audience, but I'd love your answer to it. Ah. Um, you know, as, as a, you're wondering at the end of the uh, uh the State of Valley event was: Is Silicon Valley undergoing a cultural shift and a structural transformation that yep. will ultimately change our trajectory? Your mm-hmm. thoughts on that?
1: It's, it's a super important question. It's an interesting one. I, I, it doesn't have a straightforward answer. I don't. I don't know what the answer is. Silicon Valley is changing. It's changing in important ways. We used to be. I mean, I'll just exaggerate to make the point. We used yeah. to we used to be a valley of geeks, you know, guys with pocket protectors, and they were guys, um, yeah. and they worked at Lockheed, and they went home to their tract houses in Sunnyvale, and <laughs> and they mowed their own lawns, right? That that was Silicon Valley, a generation or two ago. Today, Silicon Valley is a radically different place. We turned into something different, and it's a thing that we celebrate. It was it was a place that was diverse and. Uh, hip and happening and, and uh, hard-pressing and innovative and all of that, and so that's great. That was a change that we celebrate, but we're changing even more beyond that now. Um, I'll go back to the FANG companies. We're, so we're, we're, we're coming to be dominated by a small handful of companies, and these companies are paying enormous salaries, exorbitant mm-hmm. salaries. And so that creates a culture of affluence that you know we can talk about. Um, we can talk about it in good ways and bad ways, but you know it creates the, creates a phenomenon of going to the shopping center and suddenly you see people with Prada purses and little toy dogs in them. That wasn't the Silicon Valley of the of the 1970s, right? That's I mean that's a huge cultural change. And um, those companies, by the way, uh, just to be more specific they're buying up the uh, innovative uh, startups that are out there. So if yeah, you're a startup right. and you're doing something that's novel, interesting, disruptive, uh, they're just going to grab you. And so that's also changing the face of innovation. So what I'm saying is our, the, the nature of innovation is changing in Silicon Valley, the culture of innovation is changing. There might be a phenomenon of spoiled children setting in <laughs> to silicon Valley. well you know look at it free meals and amazing salaries yeah, i mean just right. ghastly salaries and expectation of all of these perks so a lot of people are afraid that silicon valley is becoming like a hollywood right with these mm-hmm. highly priced actors and, and they behave like spoiled children so that's happening and then there's this remarkable consolidation of power and wealth that's frankly giving us a black eye and so now we're getting all this bad press right, um, right. and then the companies themselves. Silicon Valley companies used to be viewed as technology, which is neutral, right? Just mm. neutral. It's a thing that can be used for for amazing things, and it changed the world as we know it. Now people are coming to distrust the technology and the platforms that they've created. Sure. So now these companies are under a cloud of uncertainty because you can use the platforms to do nefarious things that include... Um, uh, stealing your privacy and uh, stealing other things that are important to you or influencing the outcome of elections and, and getting at the at the heart of democracy itself. So suddenly Silicon Valley feels like a very different place. This is not the happy valley where people yeah. mow their own lawns in Sunnyvale. We've become something utterly and completely different. And it's complicated.
0: It's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to leave it there. Okay. Ross, thanks so much for sharing oh, it's your thoughts pleasure. on the index. And if people Thank want to get you. a copy.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, all you have to do is go to our website. Okay. And it's jointventure.org. And there you can access the index. You can get a print copy if you want. And you just click on the Amazon link and, and Amazon will send it to you. We maintain another website. It's called org. Everything is there, Uh, more than you'll find in the index. You'll find thousands of indicators there that you can use interactively.
0: ALF is passionately committed to building diverse networks of leaders focused on personal and community transformation in order to create an inclusive and thriving Silicon Valley. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and subscribe to the dialogue on iTunes or SoundCloud. Please visit us online at alfsv.org. This podcast was made possible by our Leadership Circle members, Susan Orr, Randy Pond, and Lisa Sansini, Our class matchers, Greg Avis, Jim Baer, Ned Barnhold, Eric Benamou, Shelly Brown, Ann DeBusk, Neil Dempsey, Chuck Getchke, Nancy Handel, Dottie Hayes, John Holler, Karen King, Greg King, Jim Koshland, Larry Keekler, George Marcus, Webb McKinney, C.S. Park, Steve Smith, Greg Papadopoulos, and Charmaine Wormenhoven. And special thanks to our 2019 Exemplary Leadership Award sponsors, Class 15, Eris Communications, the Sobrato Family Foundation, the Knight Foundation, HP Inc, and the David and Lucille Packard Foundation.